Amen. Thank you for leading us, Chris. I want to encourage you, if you will, to please open your Bible to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. This is our verse for the month of October as we are considering how God would have us live in a world that is tumultuous, at best chaotic, even at times. As you're turning there, I'm just uh, very thankful to, to pass along to you that the Lord blessed Emma with another great week, especially in therapy. She's continuing to show a little more movement in different areas, so we are very grateful and thank you for your prayers and continued support. Micah 6.8, we are breaking down really four parts of this verse, taking a part each Sunday. So let's read the verse in total before we think about the command to love kindness. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for the mercy and grace that you give us, not only in our salvation, but throughout our entire lives. Thank you for not giving us what we deserve. Father, we do confess that at times we take your mercy and grace for granted. Lord, while we may not do that with our words, we certainly do it when we hoard up the grace you have given us and don't share it with others. So, Lord, help us to be a people that love kindness and seek, Father, to touch the lives of others with the grace that you have touched us with. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. January of 2019, some neighbors living next to Brian Stewart became concerned Because they heard out of his house some loud voices. They heard shouting and argument. They heard crashes. So even after the police had been called, one of them, two of them made their way up to the house to see kind of what was going on to be sure that everything was okay. They were surprised, even shocked. When the front door flew open and out came Brian Stewart with his hand raised, welding a machete and written... In very large letters on that machete was the word kindness. But he wasn't welding kindness in a good way. He started swinging at his neighbors, even injuring one of them. He was arrested and charged with aggravated assault and battery and intent to harm with a deadly weapon. Now this morning as I preach about loving kindness, I want to be clear that that is not the kindness that I'm talking about loving. That's the exact opposite of what we want to be about. The kindness that we are commanded to love, as found here in Micah 6.8, is the Hebrew word hesed. It's an incredibly rich word. In fact, even as it is translated kindness here, kindness does not mind the depths that lie beneath that word. See, hesed is used to describe God's covenant love with us. It refers to a loyal, steadfast love, a love that will not let us go, a love that is consistent through thick and thin. It's a love that is committed to the best for the other person. That's why throughout the scripture, hesed may be translated in different ways based upon the context. You could translate hesed loyalty, 
faithfulness, loving kindness. The Greek word that is used to translate the term hesed is agape, unconditional, unearned, unmerited love. You see, the word for kindness here describes the love that Jesus gives to us. It's a kind love that loves us despite of our faults and our weaknesses. It's the kind of love that we get glimpses of every now and then. A man by the name of Jean Vanier, who founded the Laoche Communities in 1964, talks about a letter he received describing such love. The Laoche Communities are communities that were developed, as I said, in 1964 to care for those that were mentally uh, disabled or in some ways intellectually disabled and developmentally struggling. Jean Vanier received a letter from a man he knew in Paris. This man had gone through what many of us have faced. His wife had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And rather than just turning the care of her over to an institution, he decided to walk away from his very lucrative business and to devote himself to caring for her. He said he fed her, bathed her, clothed her. The time... After receiving the letter, Jean visited this man, and the man looked at him, and he said, I have changed. I have become more human. A few months after that visit, Jean received another letter where this man said that a few weeks earlier, his wife had had woke up in the middle of the night. She woke him up, and God had granted this moment of lucidity, a moment where her mind was right. And she looked at her husband and said, darling, I want to say thank you for all you've been doing for me. And then she fell back into the fog. The man said that he wept and he wept. That man was demonstrating the type of love we are to demonstrate. You see, Jesus has called us to love. Even with those whom we love can do nothing in return. Even when those that we love maybe are are struggling in a fog of mental illness, disabilities, poverty, or even spiritual blindness. We are called to serve them even though every now and then we may receive a, a fleeting glimpse of gratitude. It matters not. We are called to love and called to act with kindness toward others. Not only are we called to do it, we are commanded. We are commanded to love kindness. Not just to do it as if kindness is a a thing to do that we can mark off of our to-do list. When it says that we are to love kindness, has said, it means we are to value it. Do we value grace? Our culture doesn't. Now we may value it whenever somebody, maybe it's a high-powered athlete, is given a second chance or an actor has failed and they're given a second chance. But overall, we tend to value power. We tend to value wealth. But we are commanded in the scripture not to to love money. Instead, we are called to love kindness. This value of loving kindness flows from our hearts. You see, to love is not just a mindset that we say, okay, I'm going to love it, I'm going to love it, I'm going to love it. It's connected with our emotions. 
You see, a heart that has been touched by the grace of God is a heart that will be overcome with that grace and with the love because when we were sinners and enemies of God, He loved us. When we were unlovable rebels, rebelling against and seeking to overthrow the very sovereign of the universe, He loved us. And our hearts are to be so overwhelmed with that that we love His grace. The question that came to my mind as I read this command to love kindness is, why would anyone not love it? Why would we not love kindness? Why would we not want to extend it to others? One reason is because such kindness is sacrificial. The kindness that's described here means putting others first. It means seeking their good even above our own. And that's costly. It means at times we need to give up pressing our rights for the sake of others. Have you noticed, and I know that you have, so I say this tongue-in-cheek, our society just seems mad, angry. I mean, a few Saturday mornings ago, um, Jody and I had, we didn't have a nurse that night, and so we had slept down in Emma's room to turn her every two hours. And after the, the six o'clock turn, I just stayed up and decided I was going to surprise Jody and went over to McDonald's. I, yeah, I should have cooked, but I didn't. And I was in line. And as I, after I'd placed my order, I was waiting for that feedback. Okay, so what you want is this? And it never came. And as I was sitting there waiting, the guy behind me started laying on his horn. And I looked, and his face was just... Now, I, I stuck my head out the window. I'm going to tell the full story. And I yelled back at him, I'm waiting on them. And sure enough, when I got up to the window, the lady explained to me that their headsets had gone down. But I was like... Why was he so mad? Because his Egg McMuffin was going to be delayed a little bit? Why, what are we to do in this anger that permeates our society? Well, here's the response. What would happen if we were willing to show kindness rather than anger? What if in that moment where we feel the impatience rising within us like the mercury in a thermometer going up... We make the conscious decision that says, instead of anger, I'm going to respond with kindness. There's a man, his name is Julio Diaz. He's 31 years old. He works as a social worker. Works in New York City in the Bronx, to be specific. He had a long day, and he was on his way home. He took the subway, and we stepped off of the subway onto the platform. Well, you know it had to happen. A young man approached him coming to mug him. This young man was welding a knife and demanded that Diaz hang, hand over his wallet. So Diaz said it wasn't worth the fight. He took out his wallet, handed it to the boy. And then something within Diaz clicked. And as the boy turned around to run away, Diaz yelled after him, if you're going to be out the rest of the night robbing people, you might as well take my coat to stay warm. The boy stopped in his tracks. He turned around and looked at him because Diaz had taken off his jacket and was handing it out to him. 
Then Diaz said, I tell you what, why don't you just keep the wallet and keep the coat, but let me take you out and get you something to eat. Amazingly, this teenager said, okay. And they went to one of Diaz's favorite diners that was nearby. The teen was surprised how the dishwashers and the waitresses all greeted Diaz with a friendly word as if Diaz owned the place. And the boy made that observation and Diaz said, haven't you been taught that we should be nice to everybody? And the teenager said, yeah, but I didn't think people actually acted that way. They continued to talk and when the bill came, Diaz looked at the boy and said, you're going to have to give me my wallet so I can pay. He paid then Diaz said, why don't you just give me the knife, and then you can go on home. And that's exactly what the teenage boy did. Now, I'm not naive, okay? I know that not every act of kindness has a happy ending like that. But even when it's not, our, our calling, our command still remains. And even when we suffer for doing what right is what's right, is that not the path that Jesus walked? In the book of 1 Peter, Peter says, Don't be surprised when you suffer for doing good. Don't be shocked. And then he says, Isn't that exactly how Jesus lived? That he went to the cross and suffered for doing good? So when we act kindly and it doesn't work out well, are we not bearing the cross of Christ? Is that not being Christ-like? So even if it's sacrificial, we are called to love justice, to love, I'm sorry, to love kindness because that is what Jesus was about. See, another reason I think people do not love kindness is this. There is that subtle belief that somehow kindness undermines justice. In other words, we tend to think that these two commands of doing justice and loving kindness are opposites of one another. But they're not. Remember that justice is the restoration of things to the way God intended. Now that includes our legal system. That means that I think we as believers should look at the, the legal system not as a means just to punish those who have broken the law, but also as a means of restoration. How can we help bring people back to the way that God intends things? But quite frankly, we love to see the bad guys get their comeuppance, don't we? We love that part in the movies where that, that person who has been a jerk finally gets the egg put on their face for once. And we believe that kindness undermines that. But I ask us to realize two things. First, kindness does not undermine justice. Rather, it serves as a safeguard to keep us from becoming bloodthirsty. Kindness is what keeps justice from sliding over into revenge. Kindness calls us to be sure that the punishment indeed fits the crime and that we are not going overboard. After all, the Lord himself said that vengeance belongs to him, not to us. Kindness and extending grace does not negate the consequences of wrongdoing. See, I think that's one of the misnomers. We think that if we talk of kindness and forgiveness, it means that there is no consequence. And that is not accurate. I give you as an example David himself. David, who had an affair with Bathsheba, broke God's law, not only having the affair, but committing murder. Now, we have two psalms out of the many written by David that deal with that exact instance in David's life. 
One is where David pleads for forgiveness. Psalm 51. Let not your spirit depart from me, O Lord. Renew a right spirit within me. God, forgive me. And then we have Psalm 32, where David rejoices in the forgiveness that God has given to him. Did God forgive David? Yes. But that did not remove the consequences of what David had done. David was still held to account by strife that occurred within his own family from there on out. See, kindness serves as a safeguard, not taking away the consequences. As if forgiveness ignores the wrongdoing, forgiveness acknowledges it. Does not take away consequences, but still seeks restoration. And at the same time, we are reminded that kindness is grace in action. And that is shocking. Grace is not fair. The reason I say it is because grace does not give us what we deserve. And I'm using grace and kindness interchangeably here. God's kindness doesn't give us what we deserve. That's why it's grace. When you get right down to it, we do not get what we deserve. And there should be something unsettling about that within us. If you really stop to think of grace, there is something within us about God's kindness that would say, whoa, wait a minute. Max Lucado mentions in one of his books, as he's writing about the grace of God, in fact, the book is entitled In the Grip of Grace, he mentions one of the worst mass murderers, serial killers in American history, a man by the name of Jeffrey Dahmer, murdered 17 people and was serving multiple life sentences before he himself was murdered in prison. Horrendous, horrific crimes. But did you know that prior to his death, Jeffrey Dahmer professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and was baptized? And that months before his death, he was, was meeting weekly with a chaplain being discipled? Now, we may look at such jailhouse confessions and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not sure about that. And we can't judge the authenticity of it. But I ask you this, if he called out to God genuinely seeking forgiveness, would God not forgive him? And wouldn't that mean that if God has forgiven him, we may be in the same heaven with Jeffrey Dahmer, a man convicted of killing 17 people? And wouldn't we cry out that is grossly unfair, God? And isn't the same true of us? How many people do we know that would be shocked to see us in heaven? You're here? And we will all answer the same way. Yes. Because of the grace of God. Because deep down, none of us deserve it. And that is why grace is scandalous. But yet, once you have experienced it, to use the words of the Christian song from the 1970s, you want to pass it on. It changes us. We recognize that grace is transformative. So how do we put this kindness into action? Well, this is not going to be shocking as the first step of application. So here it is. We have to start with ourselves. I think we would all agree that we want the world to be a better, kinder, and gentler place. 
But what I've found is that, and it's true of me too, is that when we say we want the world to be better, gentler, and kinder, we're talking about everybody else. We want them to be better, gentler, and kinder. After all, the world would be much better if everybody would just do what I wanted. Our actions flow from our hearts. Scripture teaches that from beginning to end. As man speaks, so he is. Our words flow from our hearts. Our actions flow from our hearts. So what's, what do your actions say about your heart? Now, all of us have moments. I have. I've had moments where I'm the man at Burger King or at McDonald's laying on the horn. We've all been there. But I want to ask you not to just to judge by a moment, but what's the overall tenor? The overall tenor of your life. Charles Schultz created truly a classic comic strip in The Peanuts. Of course, we know the well-known characters. Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy. There's one of the lesser-known characters, a little boy by the name of Pigpen. Pigpen was that little boy that no matter where he was, he'd find dirt. You know, there's some kids that are just like that. You could put them on an ice floe in the Antarctic and they would come back dirty. Pigpen was signified. He always had this cloud of dust around him. Wherever he went, there was a cloud of dust. What cloud surrounds us? Is it anger? Is it grace? Bitterness? Or kindness? It may maybe that we need to ask the Lord to change our hearts. And I want you to keep in mind that as we talk about loving kindness, another principle found throughout all the scripture is this, we reap what we sow. In other words, I've found it to be true. If, if we want to be treated with kindness, let's treat others with kindness. Up on the screen, you're going to see a quote from the great George Washington Carver. He said, how far you go in life depends on your being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, and tolerant of the weak and strong. Because someday in life, you will have been all of these. I think that's true. You see, showing kindness and loving kindness is easy with those that we love and get along with. But are we willing to be kind to those with whom we disagree? Are we willing to love our enemies? Are we willing to trust God and be obedient even when it may not work out well for us? What that means as we think about changing our heart in this age of, of immediate communication is this. Are we willing to stop and think before we send that email? Before we post that comment. Do my words show that I love kindness? It may mean that even if we don't say it. We may need to say Lord in my mind I'm thinking it and I want to say it. The world is in great need of kindness. Not the emotional kind that comes and goes like a fog. But it needs the steady faithful kindness of God. And he's called us to administer it. You know, there's great 
discussion about the vaccine and longing for the vaccine. And the question has become, once we receive it, how is it going to be administered? The world is in need of the vaccine of God's grace and His kindness. In church, He's called us to administer it in word and in deed. So I ask you today to consider loving kindness. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, O Lord, that you have given us a kindness we did not deserve. Lord, in these moments where we reflect on what you would have us to do, I ask you to speak to our hearts clearly. Examine us, O God. Do we treat others with kindness, O Lord? How do we treat those who, Father, serve us? Whether it be a, a cashier at the grocery store or a server at our table or Father, that person who's just coming by trying to do the best they can. Father, help us to have the mind of Christ. Lord, grant this to your glory we pray. Amen.